Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see all of you this morning on the best day of the week. Amen? Amen. It is so good to be together as a church. If you're a guest this morning, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so delighted to have you. If there's anything that we can do for you, please let us know. I'll be through those doors after the service and would love just to wave at you or elbow bump, whatever you're comfortable with, and just thank you for being here today. As well as all of you that are watching online, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for inviting us into your living rooms and continuing to see what it is that God has in store as we turn yet another month. Happy May, right? It's May. And May's a big month for us here at Shepherd's Gate. And so if you're new, uh, one of the expressions that we use on staff, uh, some of you, you follow basketball and you might remember March Madness. Well, here at Shepherd's Gate, we call May, May Madness. But it's a good madness because we have all of these special services taking place. In fact, yesterday we were in this very room and we were able to honor and recognize and watch God work in the lives of our seventh graders as they received their first communion. And so we wanted you to see a picture of what took place uh, just yesterday in here. Aren't these some good looking students? Look how dressed up they are with their shirts and their ties and their dresses. And we were just so excited about being able to uh, celebrate with them. Can we give them a hand this morning, by the way? This also helped because obviously we had a service yesterday and one at 9 and then 10.45, so it's been able to, to space people out. But next week, did you know next week is Mother's Day? There's a lot of people at 9 that didn't know next week was Mother's Day. So all of us, here's your warning. All right, and you want to come. We have so many special things planned. The following week on Saturday, we have our confirmation service, and then on Sunday, we're going to honor our graduates, and then ultimately, at the end of the month, as we uh, remember the men and women who served and paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, to give us freedom of religion, to give us the ability to come and to gather or to watch online. So lots of exciting things happen in May. This is the best place to be. You don't want to landscape on Sunday morning, okay? You, you, always, you don't want to go to your boat or your cottage. You always want to be in church, in person, or online. Amen? Amen. All right, good. See, you just committed to the whole month of May. So this morning, we're going to start off a new sermon series called The Gift. And I love that, that we're calling the, the, the sermon series this year The Gift because there's so many negative things out there. There's so many things that, that we can focus on and get depressed about or beat ourselves up about. And what we're going to do is just celebrate all month long. We're going to go to God's word. We're going to ask God to challenge us, but also to uplift us, to encourage us, to give us everything that we need to get through our lives. And so today, as we kick off this new sermon series, The Gift, I want to start by asking you kind of a simple question. It's this question. What has been the greatest gift, now outside of your faith, I learned that at the last service, what has been the greatest gift you have ever received from a loved one? All right, think of a practical gift. What's one of the best gifts that you've ever received? Do you know? Go ahead and turn to your family, your friends that you're with, and go ahead and tell them whatever that gift is. Now think of this. Have you ever received a gift that you didn't want to receive? And you had to pretend that you actually liked the gift. 
Now, I can say this because it's not Mother's Day. We're still a week out. But I know many of you, what you're going to do, because you do this every year on your social media platforms, moms, is you'll say, the only gift I want for Mother's Day this year is to be surrounded by my family. We know that's a lie, okay? <laughs> you want your family and you want a gift, amen? And you want a significant gift. You don't want some cheap gift from the dollar store. Like, you want something that took some blood, sweat, and some money, don't you? <laughs> well, there's a funny kind of a situation in my family, and we actually tell this story every single year for Mother's Day. Uh, my brother-in-law, he's married to my wife's sister. They just moved from Ohio to Michigan. And uh, when they had their first kid, he knew, okay, this is her first Mother's Day. I got to make sure that I buy her something special. And so he was just scratching his head. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. And so he went and consulted with his father-in-law. So his wife's dad, what should I get her? This is her first Mother's Day. I want to make this really, really special. You know her well. What do you think that she would really enjoy? And you know what he told him? She loves chocolate. And he said, chocolate? I think I can handle this. So do you know that he went to the grocery store and he bought her a Hershey's bar? <laughs> and he presented her with a Hershey's bar on Mother's Day? <laughs> Women, how many of you would like a Hershey's bar on Mother's Day? <laughs> to this day, he has never, ever, ever lived that gift down. <laughs> and unfortunately, that following Christmas, he decided to buy her a vacuum <laughs> as her Christmas present. So pray for him. His name is David. It's an easy name to remember. <laughs> He's a great guy. He gave me permission to share that story this morning. But isn't it interesting? Sometimes it's easier for, remember, for us to remember the gifts that we didn't want or that we didn't enjoy versus the ones that we really do have. And so today as we look at this idea, is it possible for us to kind of take a step back from the noise and the chaos and the distractions of the world and to see things with fresh eyes and through a a fresh perspective of all of the many gifts that God has, in fact, blessed us with. God has given us our health. God has given us each and every day the weather today and how beautiful it's going to be. And I know so many of us are going to be outside and able to enjoy these things. To the family members and the friends, to the way that he has provided for us. And if we were actually to get out a piece of paper and a pen, how, how long would our list be if we began to really contemplate all the blessings and gifts that God has bestowed upon us. See, so often what we do is we go to this kind of mindset, right? What gift do we want to receive? What's still missing in our life? What is it that, that, that we still feel as there is a void? And I know for some of you, you're, you're wondering when you're going to be able to get together with your family again. Or maybe there's been some friction and, and divisions even in your friendship circles as different people have responded to, to the events of the world and how there's even, you know, things that have been said or done or ways in which people have interacted that have just caused a lot of heartache. And so really the prayer is, God, how do you keep us united? How do you keep bringing us together? God, what is it that you have for this church as we move into the future? as we continue to put one foot in front of the other, as we continue to see day in and day out, month in and month out, God, what is it that you have for us? Well, today we're going to be looking at an incredible gift that God has given us, and he's specifically given it to his church, to those who follow Jesus. And so if you're not a Jesus follower, you're still new to Shepherd's Gate, and you're kind of learning about what we believe, I'm so excited to have you here, and you can hear 
what this gift is and why it's so important to us. And those of you that have been a part of this church a long time, my challenge would be for you today as well is that you hear these words, that you realize how many gifts God has in fact bestowed upon us and blesses us and the ability to gather for worship and to receive all that he has for us. And so we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, it's written by a guy named Paul. He was a missionary. He planted a bunch of different churches, and this happened to be one of the churches that he planted. And he had gotten some word about some, some struggles that they were having, and so he needed to address those struggles because they had veered off the path that God had for them. And they started going down a road, and so he, through the Holy Spirit, was bringing them back to the life that God had actually called them to do. And so starting in chapter 11, he actually says these words, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And Paul, over and over again, in all of his letters, he admits that, that he doesn't have it all together, that he struggles, that he has sins, that, that there's things that sometimes trip him up in this life, but he's doing everything that he can to keep his eyes fixed on Jesus, to be brought back to the gospel, to be brought back to the cross and the empty tomb, to be reminded of how incredible and loving and gracious our God is. And that really is the best gift that any of us have ever received, is faith in him. And so as we look at this, we're going to begin by, by him addressing the church. And he says this in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not praise you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Ouch. Imagine if Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was writing a letter to Shepherd's Gate and said that your gatherings are actually doing more harm than good. Imagine being told that as a church. I mean, that, that is not an easy pill to swallow. And he goes on and says, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. I've heard because people have reported to me that there's divisions in the body of Christ. When we look at the circumstances that we're in, we look at the shifts that have had to take place here at Shepherd's Gate, and there's been people on both sides and four sides and ten sides and a hundred sides of all of these things going on around us, and can we be honest? There's been some division even in our church. Did you know that? And I think we need to just admit it. We need to admit that the devil's at work, that the devil's trying to divide us, that some of us have very strong feelings about things, and some of us have very strong opinions about things, and some people say, well, this is my data in research, well, this is my data in research, and what it's done to the body of Christ. And I think for our day and age, it's for us to, again, step back and say, Holy Spirit, we need you to lead and guide us. Holy Spirit, we need you to bring us together and unite us. Because the church, and I'm talking the church universal, all over the world is experiencing the same thing. The fragmentation, the slow but sure departure of people that used to call a church their home. And we know that there's so much going on, there's so much vying for people's attention. And we want to be on the front of this. We want to pray and be on our knees and ask God to continue to show us and to lead and guide us into the future. Amen? But look at what he says next. He says, no doubt, there have, there have to be differences among you to show you which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, think about this, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private meals. As a result, one person remains hungry and another actually gets drunk. Can you imagine this? Imagine us having a church event, right? And there's food and 
the church members eat all the food, certain church members eat all the food, and for the rest of the church, there's no hot dogs or hamburgers or fried chicken. <laughs> like, that's one thing, right? People being selfish and people being in it for themselves. But another thing to actually gather is the church, and people are getting drunk. What is going on? What are the hardships that they were facing during this time? Certainly, there, there was intense persecution on the church. There were Jewish people who had come to faith in Christ, and certainly that caused tension within their homes and their families as for, as for some of their family members didn't convert and were probably upset that they converted. You had a group of Gentiles who worshipped false gods, and they were from all different backgrounds, and they were all trying to figure out how to navigate being part of one church together. That even in, this, in their time and day and age, they were struggling with, with the diversity of a congregation. And it's kind of sad that even in our day and age, so many hundreds of years later, we're still struggling with that. There's still division, there's still divides. People that are getting drunk, but why are they getting drunk? Is it because the world has overwhelmed them? Is it because there's too much stress going on in their lives? Is it because their businesses have been challenged? Because you know during the early church, their businesses were actually challenged because people would not shop at their businesses if they knew they were followers of Jesus. And we think of the hardships that we're experiencing, the difficulties that we have in our families. I think of my own family, and I know the conflicts that, that are in my own family, in my family units with my extended siblings and extended family. All of these things that we're trying to navigate, all of these things that we're trying to figure out. He says this, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Again, this isn't God's best for you. This isn't the path that God wants you on as a church. And yes, you're, you're sinful, fallen human beings, and, and you're trying to figure out how to be a church, but let me bring you back to Jesus. Let me bring you back to the upper room, the words that Jesus said to his disciples. And this is what he reminds them. This is the powerful reminder that he gives them. He says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. I've done this for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often, this is key, that we're constantly gathering together, you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God has called his church to gather for worship. God has called his church to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion frequently. This is an incredible gift that God has given us, that we can come together and sing those songs that we did at the beginning. But I also know some of you, as you saw those words and as you heard the, the worship team sing, maybe you didn't sing along with them. Maybe you don't feel that God has been good. Maybe you don't feel that, that God has been taking care of you or providing for you, and you've slowly but surely, you're on this path of walking further and further away from God. And it's because of life circumstances, it's because of the relationships that you have. And I would encourage you today, pour out your heart to God. If you don't believe and you don't feel the words of the song, then don't sing them, but make sure that you tell God how you feel. Make sure you tell God what you're thinking and the struggles that you're going through and watch what he does. Watch how he's able to use his spirit to bring you closer to himself. 
And here's the incredible gift that we have. It is Holy Communion. And people will often ask, well, what if I'm struggling in my faith? And what if I feel really weak in my faith? And I'm holding on by a thread, and I'm ready to walk away from the church, I'm ready to walk away from my life group, I'm ready to walk away from my small group. I'm just kind of done with Shepherd's Gate. Should I come to communion? And what do you think the answer is? Yes. Yes. Do you know why? Because not only does God offer us the forgiveness of our sins, do you know that in communion he strengthens our faith? That is an incredible gift. How many of you need your faith strengthened today? I know I do. I was watching a, a, a pastor this week. He pastors a large church in California. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we'd be like, hey, Michigan, we got a lot of challenges here in Michigan compared to other parts of the country. And yet California's like, hey, hold my drink, right? You want to talk about problems you have and the pastors and what they're dealing with. And he's a pastor. He's been a pastor for 52 years, the same congregation. Here he is, intelligent man. And he said the last two years have been the hardest years of all 52 years of ministry. He has never seen more division in the church. He said that they actually lost 800 members and then gained 1,200 members. And I was like, wow, that would be like completely overhauling Shepherd's Gate. Thanks be to God that he has continued to sustain this church, Shepherd's Gate. And those of you that are online, I know some of you desperately want to be back in here, and I'm so proud of you, and I'm so grateful that you continue to tune in. Don't give up. Even though the weather's warming up, don't switch to landscaping on Sunday morning. <laughs> Leave that boat in the dock until church is over. You don't need to run to your cottage. You can come to church, or if you're at your cottage, you can watch online. Continue being part of this congregation in this church, letting God speak into your life each and every week, even as the weather gets warmer. Amen? Those of you that have kids in sports, you need to hear this as well. You do not give up on God because your kid plays baseball, basketball, lacrosse, soccer, hockey, swimming, dance, whatever else you want to add in there. You need God in your life. Your kids need God in your life. We have the technology that if you can't be here on Sunday morning, you can watch it Sunday afternoon. If you can't watch it Sunday afternoon, you can watch the service Sunday night. If you can't watch it Sunday night, you can watch it at 3 in the morning. Nobody has any excuse to not be in church. And listen, it's not a got to, it's a get to. We get to have God come into our lives and speak into our lives and to help us navigate this life. But here's what's key for us. Here's what's key for us here at Shepherd's Gate. We must confess we are sinners desperately in need of a Savior. And see, sometimes we know our sins. We know when we speak ill of somebody. We know that when we slander somebody or we get frustrated because somebody else has an opinion and they're trying to force their opinion on us and it can get uncomfortable and so we go and maybe gossip on the side behind their back. We know when we've committed sins with the acts that we've done or even the thoughts in our head. But sometimes the subtle sins are when we lack trust and faith in God. Sometimes it's getting in those modes when we're, you know, questioning God and questioning his sovereignty and questioning whether he really is on the throne. And sometimes we forget that, that we also need to bring those before God, that we need to confess those sins to him. And again, if you're angry at God, shout it out to him. Tell him you're angry. Tell him you don't like the way that he's running the world. Guess what? He can handle it. 
He's God. He can take whatever frustration you have on his shoulders because he died on a cross for you before you were ever born. In fact, he died for all of your sins, the ones you think, the ones you say, the ones you do, and the ones that you feel. Did you know that? That's how much you are loved by God. And I don't know how it is for you, but sometimes I just need a visual. I need, to be a, I need a visual to remind me how sinful I really am. And sometimes that's a slippery slope. Sometimes we get caught in the trap of, you know, I think I've gotten to a point in life where I just stopped sinning. <laughs> Honey, I went through the whole day and I can't think of one sin that I committed today. <laughs> and then she gets out the notebook and says, here, let me help you, <laughs> right? Here's what I love about our church. Here's what I love about what we believe, what the Bible tells us to be true. We are fallen, sinful human beings. And even though Christ has redeemed us, he's justified us, he's called us to faith, we are still struggling this side of heaven. And it's a daily battle. It is a daily battle for the hearts and the minds of God's people. And so someone sent me this video, and I was like, this is brilliant. Apparently it was going viral on all the different social media platforms. Some of you may have already seen this video. And I said, I don't think there is a better video that explains the condition of the human heart on the planet. Do you want to see this video? Get ready. This is incredible. Buckle your seats. Ready for this? Let's watch this. How many of you have seen this? Does that 10-second clip just not encapsulate? Am I wrong? Literally. And, it, it, you know, it's funny. At the very end, the flying leap right back into it. You just got pulled out. And some people don't like this. They don't like to admit that they're sinners. They don't like to admit that they need a Savior. But I'm telling you, we have to figure out who's in charge. We have got to put God on his throne and where he belongs. We confess that we desperately need him. We need what he offers us, his grace and his mercy, his power, his life. And even as Paul quotes Jesus, I love this, when he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do you know that word remembrance actually means you relive the experience all over again? This is why communion's a big deal for us. We bow our heads, we close our eyes. We are brought to the cross. And we remember the incredible price that was paid for our sins. We remember a God who stretched out his arms and allowed them to drive nails into his hands, into his feet. That is, he's on that cross and he's hanging on that cross that he's mocked, but yet he's still loving his people. But we don't stop there. We have to move to the empty tomb where we see Jesus stepping out, taking that first step on that first Easter Sunday morning and declaring victory over sin, death, and the devil for you and for me. Because without the resurrection, our faith is useless. We need the resurrected Christ. We need the power of the resurrected Christ in our lives each and every day. It goes on to say this. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is so important. 
and he's going to give us instructions on how to do this. In fact, he says this, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And as he talks about this unworthy manner, he doesn't say doing this and kind of just disregarding communion or just kind of going through the motions because you've done it a thousand times over. This isn't sinning against the bread and the wine. This is sinning against Jesus, his very body and blood, the real presence of Christ. And here at Shepherd's Gate, we believe that Christ is present in and with the bread and the wine. Do you know why? Because Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. This meal, this sacred meal, isn't just a symbol. Christ is there, and as Christ is there, he forgives you of your sins. And again, he gives you more of himself. He strengthens, he supercharges your faith. Why would we not want to do this, and why would we not want to do this as often as we possibly can? Amen? Amen. I want you to see what he says. He says, well, my brothers, when you come together to eat, I love this, wait for one another. This isn't an individual act that, that you do all alone and then you go home. Yes, there's definitely a component to this where it's between you and God and as we bow our heads, as we confess our sins, as the Holy Spirit uh, just pierces our heart and reminds us what we need to hand over to him again. But there's a communal aspect of being part of a church, being part of a church family, understanding what it is that we believe, that we do wait for, for one another, that if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. In holy communion, we are called into community with God, but we are also called into community with one another. And I'll be honest with you, here at Shepherd's Gate, as we're watching our members, as we're watching those that God is bringing into our midst and we're looking at our community, we are doing everything that we can to create opportunities for our church to stay connected into community. I think some of the scariest places that people can be is when they're isolated and they're alone. You know, it's interesting because we used to talk about it before because people just wanted to be left alone. That's kind of the American mindset. And don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do with my money. Just leave me alone. Don't ask me about my feelings because I'm not going to tell you anyways. And now COVID has just exasperated this whole idea, has it not? And there are people that are out there. And those of you that are watching online, again, I know that you desperately want to be back and you're waiting until you're comfortable. You're waiting for certain things to take place. Know that we don't want you to disconnect from our church. We love you. We care about you. We see you. We hear you. We are here for you. Amen? So let's make sure that we do that. Let's make sure we figure out how to stay in community with one another. And if you've noticed somebody that you used to see all the time here in church and you haven't seen them in a while, you call them. You reach out to them. You text them. You connect with them on social media and tell them how much they're loved and they're valued and that they are part of this church as we continue to move into the future. There's some practical ways as well for us to stay connected together. And I love the, the, the focus that our adult ministries, which is headed up by Galen Giliberto, has taken. And what she's about to do as we head into the summer months. Uh, we talked about this back in January, but it's worth mentioning again that there's actually three different types of groups for adults to connect here at Shepherd's Gate. We have life groups, and these are the groups that meet in people's homes, and some people are meeting outside, which is great because they're not comfortable meeting inside, or some are meeting on Zoom because that's what they decided to do, and I think that's awesome because they're staying connected to each other. We have Bible studies, but they're coming to an end this month. There's only a few more weeks left of this, and so really she's focused her attention on social groups. 
And the reason that we've kind of turned our attention for the next several months on social groups is because we know some people have not been connected to another person that calls Shepherd's Gate home in over a year. And we don't want anyone to fall through the cracks. We don't want to lose anyone. And so she came up and her team came up with an incredible way, a, a list of ways to help people connect with one another. Do you want to see it? Some of these are already taking place. Line dancing. Where are you at? Where's our line dancers? Right here. So you can talk to all of them after the service. Now, you used to get 100 people, but for distancing purposes, you're, you're limiting to 50, and you guys are in the gym. You can space out, but you're still able to be together, right? And you're doing this all of May? And, whoa, and June. Look at that. So I, I got to correct that next week for the 9 o'clock service. All right, May and June. Camping group. Grab a tank. Grab a camper. I'm glad you guys are cheering for that. How about this one? Lunch Bunch Book Club. Say that four times fast. And what they're doing is they're meeting in larger rooms, and sometimes they'll meet outside here at the church if the weather's nice, and they're just reading a book together, and they're having relationships. They're rubbing shoulders, figuratively, rubbing shoulders, being in relationships. Moms connect, moms of preschoolers. We all know that you need a break. We all know that you need other moms to walk alongside with. Bibles and Brew is actually coming back this month, the month of May. We're so glad that we're going to be able to start doing this again. And here's two new ones. Check this out that they're going to start. She's going to have interest meetings, and then she's going to actually schedule these golf groups. Any golfers? It's like the most socially distanced activity you can do on the planet, right? <laughs> Your ball is over there, and my ball is over there. They'll have no problem with the six-foot distance. And I know some of you thought I was joking back in January, but I'm not. We are starting a boating group. And just so you know, we know who all your boaters are. So don't think you're just going to go get on your boat and be all by yourself. We are going to hunt you down on Lake St. Clair. <laughs> and the reason we know who you are is because you post pictures on your Facebook. So na 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 na. So, but we want people, whatever it is. And if you have other ideas on how to get people together, you're willing to host a backyard barbecue, whatever that might be. Man, we don't, again, want anyone to fall through the cracks. We want everybody that's part of this church or that's been coming to this church to know that there's others that are willing to go through life with you. So again, as I end this morning, Holy Communion, man, it is a gift from God. The forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of our faith and community with other believers, that is a gift from God. And we're going to continue to pursue that. We're going to continue to ask God to unite us and to tell the devil he has no part in our church, he has no part in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we do. Just thank you, as always, that we get to open your word and how timely scriptures really are. Your living and active and breathing word. God, we thank you for the honesty of the Bible, that we can see the struggles of the early church and we can even see the struggles that we face in our day and age. But God, we're reminded of your grace and your mercy. We're reminded that you're continuing to work in our hearts and in our lives and in our community and all over the world. So we do, God. We pause. We acknowledge that the things that are taking place. We do pray, God, that you would continue to to watch over those that are on the front lines, our doctors and our nurses and our first responders, and especially as this Thursday is, is Nurses' Day. God, we honor them, we pray for them, we pray that you would continue to work in and through them as they minister to the people in our community. 
God, we pray for family members who are struggling physically, that, that are going through difficult times, that are, that are struggling with the virus, or maybe they're struggling with something else physically in their life. We lift them up to you. God, we also pray for our church. We know there's so many distractions in this world. But God, you're the one that said, remember the Sabbath day, make it holy, that you've called us into community, that you've called us to come together, to sing to you, to pray to you, to open our word, and God, to receive the incredible gift that you give us in Holy Communion. And so God, now as we, as we remain seated, as we hear the words of this song, would your Holy Spirit continue to wash over us? Would your Holy Spirit just give us a, a two and a half to three and a half minute pause in our lives and bring us back to the center, bring us back to you, who you are and what you're doing? God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen.